This is a Founding Media Podcast, produced at Austin Community College District. Welcome back to Science of the Mall, y'all. I'm Dan Dillard, and my co-host and ABI director, Nancy Lyon, want to welcome you back to an exciting episode. Former ABI interns Liz Hampton and Jolie Murray join the podcast today to share their unique journeys to Austin Community College and tell us how their internships at ACC Bioscience Incubator helped them secure jobs in diagnostics. If you've taken a COVID test in the last couple of years, then you'll probably be interested to hear about the work that our guests are doing. Jolie and Liz tell us about the exciting bioscience project interns can do at ACC Bioscience Incubator, explain all the opportunities available at the bioscience industry, and debate who has taken more COVID tests in the lab. Let's jump in. Thanks for joining us. And we want to get more knowledge on the experience there at the incubator. So I was kind of curious. My first question for you both is, uh, did you both intern at the incubator at the same time? And who started there first? I don't know who started first, but it was not at the same time. No, you didn't overlap. No, no, no I, was, I think I was first. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's well, pretty early you, on. Yeah, let's just elaborate more on that story. Uh, Jolie, can you talk more about how you came about interning over the incubator? Uh, well, <laughs> um, I, I believe it was a t- I was in the biotech program, and mm-hmm. it was a teacher that recommended me to Nancy. I think Nancy was looking for interns, and I was so excited. I wanted to be able to start doing things. Yeah, I mean, you jumped in doing all kinds of stuff. That's, I think, the, the beauty of the confidence of a bit of an older student who actually knows what they want to do. <laughs> well we I mean I did I did start you know maintaining the instruments which is great because I learned how everything worked and um, you know exposed to all sorts of tests and experiments that people might do but I think that what was nice um, was that um, about Nancy is that she really supported whatever I wanted to do and I knew that this was a place where I could learn everything and experience everything. I was afraid that as soon as I started a company or a job that I'd just be doing one thing. And so I wanted to learn everything. And Nancy found, you know, companies that I could work with or um, companies that could donate some reagents and materials. Uh, Nancy sat down and taught me sometimes. Um, just It was just really awesome for me to, to learn such a wide range of things. And you'd mentioned previously that you started off in another major. I guess you were doing nursing. You know, talk, talk a little bit about that. Right. I, uh, well, actually, my bachelor's a long time ago was in fine arts, and I was doing graphic design for maybe 10 years. Um, but then I had kids, and I, I felt like I wanted something different, you know, a second take on life. Um, so I tried nursing, and I, when I was in my nursing classes, um, I started realizing that I really liked the science, especially the, the microbiology nursing class. I loved the genetics. It was sort of like playing with a, a puzzle, you know, different putting different pieces of base pairs together in DNA and all that. Um, and the teacher there mentioned the biotechnology program. So that's when I decided to shift over to biotechnology. And I've just, it's been a lot of fun ever since. Do you regret not going into nursing at all? No, I mean, I really, I like, I actually like doing it. I like the people, um, but uh, this to me, my, like my brain is challenged in the way that it wants to be challenged, you know, trying yes. to figure out what's happening uh, on, a, on a very small level, invisible world kind of thing is just really fun to me. Yeah. And Liz, I know you mentioned this at our last recording, uh, our last episode, but would you want to just give us a little clip of how you came into ABI? Yeah, um, I kind of searched it out. I had applied for the University of Texas, but I did not get in. Uh, But I wanted to move to Austin anyway. So 
I still had a few credits left to finish up a uh, uh, the the two year program, um, whatever that ended up being. Because uh, at first it was just a, a general batch or a general degree in sciences, um, but at ACC uh, I think I went towards the chemistry degree. Um, and while I was there, I was able to transfer jobs from delivering from Domino's in uh, Plano, Texas, to Austin. But I didn't want to do that for very much longer, so I just kind of started looking at everything that they had, and I knew Austin was a biotech center. The whole reason I up, uprooted and moved. Um, and when I was touring the Highland campus, I mean, the, the ABI sign is right there, right? Um, like in front of the building. And, um, I just kept seeing particularly like signs for parking, like ABI parking only. And when I Googled it, it was a bioscience incubator. And I thought that meant it was some kind of cryogenic facility for multiple cells or specimens, maybe like a virus lab or something, um, but they had an open house that I went and checked out and uh, Nancy gave me a tour from there. And I just thought it was really cool. So I applied for the internship and I think we started a few months later. I love that you can think of Austin as being the biotech hub of anything. Like that's my biggest uphill battle is trying <laughs> to get Austin to be on the map of biotech. And so like to, to hear someone move to Austin for that is like, oh, you mean it's worse elsewhere. That's yeah, so cool. <laughs> in Plano, I was for my last school. I was in the biotech uh, club, so that that was really my only intro into it. As I knew if I was going to go somewhere, biotechnology was kind of what I wanted to do. So it, it was more of a justification for. I mean, I stayed within Texas, but it was still a two hundred mile move, right? So it's like, well, if I'm going to do it. It's got to just. It can't just be because out of spite for getting rejected from UT. There's got to be a reason. Then. <laughs> what was the attraction? And I, I know you've kind of alluded to it in your, the previous question. But what was the attraction to ABI? And a second part, part B to that question is, what was it like to intern there? Be kind, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I thought it was great because it was so free reign. Um, we were given, Tyler and Nancy gave the interns just um, full charge of maintaining the instruments. And if something was going wrong, try to figure out how to fix it or, you know, how to find a tech support or somebody that can come out and fix it. Um, I, I just like, and they gave us, you know, full range of scheduling and, and what we wanted to work on. I just liked that how you could just be, really creative and um, be in charge. And it wasn't like, oh, I have to go in and do A, B, and C today. It was right. um, it was just a, a playground. I wouldn't call it a playground. Oh, I thought it was. <laughs> I know, but like people are going to think that they can come in here. But the reason that you guys got free reign, and I, I think Liz is going to tell you a similar story, but it's because of who you were. I mean, if there was somebody, and we had several students in the past that maybe weren't quite so capable and I can promise you that I didn't give them <laughs> free reign. It was like, uh, why don't you stick really close by with Jolie? <laughs> uh, so it in the application, it just checked a lot of boxes for me, right? Um, I, I was still in a position where, uh, you know, I, I didn't live on campus. I'd already given college one shot with my parents' help. And I, I was definitely in a position of like, wherever I work, I still have to be able to make rent and everything. So uh, the the... Um, the internship was actually just perfect because I, I knew that if I was going to go for an, anything to do with an internship or anything into my degree field, 
um, that if it was through the school, I, I kind of already knew the parameters, right? And we ended up having to follow those same parameters. The bioscience incubator, you're only limited or you're limited to only 20 hours a week um, or at least pay for only 20 hours a week, right? And if I was going to do that, it, it would have to be perfect, right? Like it, it, if I was going to cut my hours and have to live a little more, uh, you know, with less cash, it, it was going to have to be worthwhile. And, and really the BioSciences Incubator was perfect because when I was applying for it, I, I didn't really care how much it paid, right? At that point, if I had to kind of maintain a second job, I would have just because it was so cool. During that tour uh, that Nancy gave, like I you walk past all the instruments that they just talk about in lectures, right? When you're talking about the human genome project and they're talking about how they used to use these methods that took decades to map the entire human genome, they'd say, yeah, but now we have next gen sequencers. And in your head, you're like, whatever the heck that is, you know, like you imagine this like (laughs) spaceship like beepy bloopy, (laughs) like kind of futuristic (laughs) machine. But when you pass by it, 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 I mean, it's not small, but it fits on a singular singular table. Um, it almost looks kind of what you would expect, just not so high-tech, but it is. It's like the most high-tech instrument uh, that people can really talk about today, right? In sequencing an entire genome just by placing a few strands of DNA on a little chip and running it through a singular machine. Um, so working there was kind of the same thing too, right? Because we got to work with uh, all, all kinds of um, you know, biology-based machinery. But there was also a day where uh, the intern who I was interning with, Tina Arms, her and I spent one shift just playing around with the 3D printers, you know, and we just printed out like the, all those printers come out with basics, basic uh, structures that you can print. Like I printed a ball and chain um, and she printed something similar. And it, it was just cool to have all that wrapped into one, you know, it'd be able to kind of explore all of it. Uh, and I know what story Nancy wants me to tell, so we, we can get into it now or later, the eight hours I spent with an FPLC. What projects did you work on? And you, you've you mentioned some of the projects. What projects did you work on while you were an intern? And then how did those experiences lead you to your current roles? So one of the last things that I did, because I got cut short about halfway through the internship, um, we all got kicked out off of campus for the pandemic. Uh, but one of the last things I was doing with Kelly was actually doing an inventory management system. Um, just getting everything written down and know where it is. And even though that wasn't the most glamorous part of it, it, it's one of the things I remember the most because it just showed me what like being in a lab could be. And when I was hired to my current position, a lot of it was just inventory management as well. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people think of like sitting at a bench with a test tube and dropping little things into a liquid and trying to make it work. But a lot of biotechnology nowadays is maintaining instruments. Yeah, <laughs> is is maintaining an instrument, setting up a reaction and making letting the instrument do it for you. Um, so really, and I think I talked about this in the intro and I'll continue to talk about it. My interest in biotechnology is really mostly the technology bit of it. And any chance I could get my hands on something was the best. Right. So the. Um, I think, cause again, we were only there for like six to eight weeks, unfortunately, cause we didn't start at the beginning of the semester. Um, we started a few weeks in and then about halfway through for spring break, they kicked us out. So I, I didn't get to try a whole lot. I know there were talks of us trying to do some, uh, cell culturing I kind of missed out on, but it, at least handling and actually trying to run through the maintenance procedures of that equipment, um, really was the kickstart to what I'm kind of doing today. And, and it was really fun. <laughs> Wow. What about you, Julie? Uh, well, um, I did learn cell culture from Nancy uh, and did do that for Nucleon. 
uh, they needed a, I maintained their cell culture line so that they could do um, you know their their testing on it, uh, so, and that led to my job right out of ABI. But what led me, uh, what supported me for my job that I have currently is I was able to shadow um, a company there, uh, 16S, that was doing next-gen sequencing. And also, um, in order to do next-gen sequencing, first you have to do PCR. And so uh, Nancy kindly found some uh, reagents so that I could uh, you know, experiment with qPCR and, and prepare it for that. And, um, and now I'm uh, an R&D scientist working on a COVID test. Well, it's, it's a number of different disease, diseases. And it is um, done with next-gen sequencing. It's funny is that there's a picture, and I, I got mad at my admin for taking this picture simply because we probably weren't the most PPE-clad for the thing, but we were all trying to do the microbiome of, of the lab, like use oh, next-gen right. sequencing to yeah. like distinguish because we had a Latino guy and a black woman and a, you know, a Indian woman, like all these different people. And we're like, Oh, I wonder if we did next gen sequencing on ourselves. And so we're all in there with like Q-tips yeah. in our mouth and like dipping them in the test tubes <laughs> and stuff like that. And that was Joe Lisa. She could do the next gen sequencing on us. Yeah. It was always fun. What about soft skills? I think we, what we've, talked in, in previous podcasts is as we've talked to some of the employers there's unique things that they are looking for and some of it has to do with just just soft skills and so I, I wonder what your you think your most valuable soft skills are and what you think unique things about yourself pointed you to the jobs that you ended up with um, I think something that uh, was always never had to be said when I was at ACC but is now kind of brought up a lot now that I'm working with Nucleon um, for better or for worse, if you give me a job and I'm not so sure about it, I'm going to try, <laughs> you know, um, and it, it, at Nucleon a lot, this happens because I work with a lot of people that have been in this field for a long time. Um, and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not the most ancient person, but I'm not super young either, but I still have people that I work with that were getting their doctorates, um, before I could read. So th there, there's a lot, there's a big gap in skill, or at least in experience with where I work. Um, but when I was hired, there was only a handful of us, like literally less than five full-time employees in the biology department. So a lot of the times it was, hey, no one has a chance to do this. Can you try? And, and the very first thing was um, my boss, Mike Carberg, wanted to resuspend some oligo probes that we had gotten in. And by some, he means that he had let about, I remember it was in the 50s build up because he was busy and Barrett was busy. So I spent a solid couple of days just resuspending uh, a bunch of probes um, to just the volumetric um, concentrations that we needed for our assays, right? Um, and that involves not just adding water, but taking them to a nano drop and ensuring that those concentrations are correct. And it took me three solid tries. I, w I got it all together. I came to him and I was like, Mike, what the heck's going on? Like these concentrations are whack. And he's like, well, show me how you did it. And the first thing was like, oh man, you didn't even, like I, di I didn't even think about spinning the tube down as I was resuspending it. Like just like level one stuff because I'd never done this before. And then when I did it a second time and it didn't work, it was, okay, well, let's move to a different nano drop. Maybe this one just isn't calibrated to what we need to do. And they still bring up that story because I spent a solid, it's like the FPLC story, right? A solid eight to 10 hours doing it again and again. 
And Mike says to this day, he's like, I thought she would just give up eventually. You know, like after the second time, you spend an entire day doing something and it's wrong. Um, but I don't like doing that. You know, if it can be done, I've seen someone else do it. I'm going to keep trying at it. And it took me I'm a long time to recognize Carberg that. For not myself, telling you so. that they're invisible until you <laughs> resuspend them. And there's no way you even know where they are. And he should have told you that. <laughs> Oh, and, and that's the, that was the fun part about being in a startup, right? Is no one had time to supervise me. They just needed to trust me to do it. And when I messed up, they're like, yeah. okay, do it again. Right. Well, and I was going to say that that's, that's a really big soft skill, especially working for a startup because they're, but what you just said, a lot of entrepreneurs are doing the same thing in their, in whatever position they're doing as well. They're trying to figure it out and it's not working. They've got to continue doing that. It makes me think of how many times, you know, before we got a light bulb, how many times Edison tend to try. And it's just, you have to keep trying, keep trying, keep trying to get it. So that, that's a, a really good, a valuable. And, and you don't hear the try stories. You hear the success right. stories. Nobody bothers yeah. to tell you about the 9,000 times that they screwed it up before they got yeah. it right. Yeah. A hundred percent. What about you, Julie? I know that you mentioned in, in our previous conversation, uh, nursing and graphic graphic design. So it, it, do any of those soft skills translate to what you're doing now? Yes. When I was in graphic design, I did have my own company. So I, I had to hire people and I had to manage um, customers and product projects and, um, you know, different uh, talent with different skills. So I think that it taught me how to, and because I work for a very small company right now, I have to manage a lot of things. I have to make sure things get done on schedule. Um, I have to jump in and take care of things that are not as glamorous, like ordering products and uh, finding out why this product was shipped at the wrong temperature and, you know, things like that. Um, I think having a creative background, I think that it's given me a different perspective on how to solve problems when it comes to experiments. Um, maybe someone may look at the results and say, oh, I think this happened, but I think that I may see it in a different way. And that's kind of nice to bring, you know, a different perspective to the team. Um, in art, you have to be very detail-oriented. You know, uh, for a large chunk of that, I was doing, you know, drawing and painting. So I had to see things very minutely and uh, develop very strong hand skills, which is important when you're in the lab and pipetting tiny little oh. things. and. Um, I think it prepared me for this. Well, those are the things, as, as Nancy pointed out, we love to hear the stories of, of just what's inside you that, that's now translating into the path that you've taken. That's really cool. Well, I think that, that, that you know, what Liz just described about her perseverance also, Jolie needs mm -hmm. to own up on that. I mean, she's also like, like <laughs> she will do it, you know, like she set up an entire CLIA lab in response to covid so um, at ABI, when I was about ready to leave, Nancy kindly introduced me to Laura Bosworth, who's an incredible person, and you've already done a podcast on her earlier. Um, and she's the CEO of Tevito Biodevices. So um, after ABI, I went to Tevito, and uh, what they do there is something called cell grafting, where they uh, help uh, patients who have white spots, it's called vitiligo, um, by transferring cells. And when I was there, I learned how to process skin to create their cell grafts. And uh, they had, they were, we were building a clean room. So I got to set up, you know, find, figure out and set up their, you know, what furniture we would have, consumables. Um, I developed their environmental, environmental monitoring program uh, of the clean room, which was really interesting and fun to research and, and implement. Um, and it was going very well, but then, you know, COVID hit. And so um, that procedure wasn't done as often. 
and then something horrible happened. My, um, my chief science officer had a, a family tragedy and he had to leave immediately. Um, and she had just started thinking about um, going into COVID testing because we had a, a, a real-time PCR. So we had the materials and we had the talent um, and we wanted to help. Uh, but she left. And so I had to find her notes and figure out what she had already discovered. And then um, things just kept getting worse. Uh, I did have a, a lab mate who was uh, senior to me, and then she went to back to India for a family issue, and she couldn't get back to America. So I had to just pick everything up and figure out what to do, uh, which is, <laughs> which is, so I just called on anybody that I knew and, and, and tried to figure out how to implement COVID testing. I knew that we were going to work with them officially on one of their protocols. Um, we did hire a, um, a wonderful lab director named Christine Boulot, and she would come in. Maybe once ACC. True, true. Uh, and she would come in maybe once a month and advise, and of course, making sure that we were um, following all the clear regulations. And she really taught me a lot. She connected me with other labs. In the beginning of the pandemic, it was kind of neat because um, different labs and different people would um, collaborate. We'd, we'd share resources. You know, it was hard to get supplies in the beginning. It was hard to get PPE. And, uh, and we were, were like, why isn't this test working right? Have you gotten these results? What, what have you done about it? It was, it was just, it was kind of neat. Everybody was just pulling together to figure out what to do. So I became general supervisor and we start, we launched that product and uh, we, or that test and we started doing that. And then uh, after a while I became lab operations manager and I, we decided to launch a different protocol for COVID testing uh, through Yale. It's called Saliva Direct. Um, because it was easier uh, to do, there wasn't an extraction and uh, quicker, cheaper. Um, Yale was very collaborative. We could constantly talk with them about what to do and different materials we could use. They were very open to it, uh, which is great. Um, and after a while, I, I knew that eventually TVDA would have to get back to their skin processing because that's what they do and they do it very well. It's a really neat product. Um, and what I, but I was really interested in was what I was doing with the COVID, the, the PCR. But I was really interested in molecular biology and next-gen sequencing. You know, that seed was planted way back when I was in microbiology for, for nursing school. So, and at, at the time, uh, Laura had uh, invited a, a small company called Engstrom to come work at, in the same space. And they were, we had room and, and, Laura's a nice person, <laughs> and, uh, and and she wanted to help the cause. So um, Angstrom came, and they are they had been developing a COVID test doing next-gen sequencing, which is um, so neat. And, and Jose was the main person we worked with there, and, and he was also very helpful in supporting us, and we were able to work somewhat collaboratively. So um, when, when Angstrom got their funding, uh, uh, their first round of funding, they opened up a position for an R&D scientist. So I approached him and I asked if he'd be interested. And, uh, and they were. And it, to me, it was a real win-win because I could do, you know, build on what I had been interested in and, and keep growing. But then I could also be in the same space so that I could help Tevito. So if they needed help, you know, like, how come I can't get this instrument to work or um, have you seen results before? What have you done about it? Um, I, I could help um, if we made a decision and I was, was certain like how we came to that decision. Um, I could be there so that knowledge was not lost. And since then, we've been we've been pretty symbiotic. We've been helping each other. It's been working That's out. That's really cool. It's nice to see how things unfold. I want to know who of the two of you has 
produce more saliva for a saliva <laughs> COVID test. I don't know. Liz is Liz is <laughs> the nucleans been doomed by the gallon oh, as part of their job description. <laughs> I, I might have to beat you on that one. I'm sorry. My saliva is what they use when they want something easy. They tell me I have oh alien God, saliva because they, if if they need something easy to run, they take my saliva because my saliva, whatever you put in it, whatever target you're trying to identify, buffer you're trying to use. My um, signal always comes up right across from the water signal. Like if I spit into a tube and run a PCR reaction with that as the main volume and someone does a control in water, my CTs are normally within like half a CT and the fluorescence is the same. So I don't know what that says about my biology, but it sure is helpful for them. When, when something just needs to work, it's my saliva. When something needs to break, they find someone else. <laughs> nice. That's very interesting. Ever that information. <laughs> What's some advice you have for a current student who might be interested in biosciences with regard to how they should approach their internship choice? Well, I think I had talked about this with Nancy before. Um, uh-huh. I think that... Um, What's neat about biotechnology is that a student can do anything they want with it. If they, um, if they, if they do are a quiet person, they prefer to work in solitude in the lab and just be meticulous. You can do that. You can be a lab tech. If you're, if you like to solve problems, you could be more of an R and D scientist. If you, if you really like talking with people, you I mean you like science, but you're really social. You could work more in sales. Um, you could be, a, if you like traveling, you could be a field scientist. You can go, you know, promote your product or your Essay or your medical device uh, to companies that'll be purchasing it. Um, if you like computers, you could do bioinformatics. Um, I, d- I just think that any direction your your bent is, you can find a way to do it. To pay yeah, attention so that, to your bent. That I was going to say so. There's an opportunity to just kind of follow what's already in you, as far as interest right. goes. Mm-hmm. Liz, what about you? Well, I agree with her. There's a lot that goes into biotechnology. I mean, my company right now that I work for, Nucleon, is, you know, we develop a, we are developing a test kit for COVID, and we hope that it goes on to be almost anything that can be detected via saliva uh, moving forward. Um, And there's so many people working for it that to be in biotechnology, you might have to focus more on biology if you want to be in the lab, but I work with software developers because we need a website to run all of our all of our um, experiments. We need a server to hold all of our data. Um, I feel like I'm pretty good at building our device, but I didn't I didn't build it in CAD. You know, the computer any computer aided design software. There's a whole degree path for that. Um, I mean, if you want to be in the lab, you probably do have to focus on biology and chemistry. But if biotechnology, if you see it as the future, like I really do and why I pursued it is because I knew it's going to have its hands in everywhere by the end of by the end of my generation's lifetime. Right. There's a lot of opportunities to get into it. Um, And if you're worried about not being able to follow a traditional path, um, I mean, Jolie already said that her first degree was in uh, I'm sorry, what, what was uh, design, right? Graphic design. My first degree that I did not finish was in technical theater. So when I dropped out of that, 
I did not want to have to go right back into college. I felt like I made a terrible choice the first time. So community college worked fine for me. I got into the ACC um, internship program because I knew what I wanted. Not finishing my degree right away was fine because when COVID hit, there was a company, Nuclean, that just needed any able-bodied person that had a passion for biotechnology. So it, I, I believe biotechnology, the biotechnology field to be the kind of thing where th there's so many bits and pieces that all you really have to have is the, is the effort to learn as much as you can and the desire to be a part of it. And there's almost always a place for you, right? We have a QC department. Um, we have, you know, a our QC department ranges from, um, you know, the buffers and the assay mixes to the physical device. So that's really what I like about it, right? My four-year degree will be in biochemistry, but like I've mentioned a bunch of times before, I'm much more interested in the technology aspect. For me, the biology is the stuff I have to be forced to learn. So that's why I've gone the path of getting grades for it. Um, but the technology is stuff that I like to learn. You know, right, right now I'm doing, uh, I'm learning Python when I have some free time and I'm not doing it to, for data analysis. I'm doing, you can find resources online to do it to build games. I built a program that um, you, you plug in a star map and it takes all this data and it just points you towards planets that are Earth-like. And I, I read that out of a book. You know, there, there, there's a lot of things you can do that end up being applicable. Um, and, and I hope I didn't go too off the note there. But, you know, there, there's a lot of ways you can find yourself in a biotech field. You know, from the student perspective of like looking at it from all the different skills and stuff like that, but it's also like these companies, right? We see companies like Nucleate or whatever, and they know their science, right? But they often don't know, like you said, I remember them coming to me going, man, if only we had somebody who could do CAD. And I was like, oh, ACC's got a CAD program here. Let me see if I can find somebody over in that <laughs> department that wants to... Because there's so many other things, like, you know, like Jolie was saying, when she had her own business, you have to hire people. Like, these yeah. scientists don't know anything about HR or, you know, business management or a lot of these things. And so I hope from their perspective, they also realize that, like, interns from all these other programs, not just biotech, right? Yeah, and I'm sure that as an entrepreneur, because it happens all the time, they don't know what they don't know at the, at the beginning. They're like, we're going to go do this thing. And then all of a sudden, oh, I need a computer programmer. I need a software. I need this. I need a, a CAD designer. I didn't know I needed that. So, And they often think, and, and it's maybe unique to science, I don't know, but scientists tend to be pretty smart, right? And they think, mm -hmm. well, if I can do this, my God, yeah. this is like really state-of-the-art, really complicated stuff. Surely I can learn all that other stuff. And it's like, sure, maybe you could, but why should you, you know, like just do what you do best and mm -hmm. hire people that know how to do that, you know, instead of like, well, I can just learn the business and I can just hire people and I can just figure out the finances and I can just go, you know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> or you can find people that really already know how to do that and they can do it better. <laughs> exactly. Well, that concludes our time together. I certainly appreciated uh Liz and Jolie, your, your time, your answers, and, and, and your experiences sharing with, with us. Thank you for sharing your experiences with us on the podcast, Liz and Jolie. It's always inspiring to hear how people find their passions. And it's so interesting to learn about the kinds of things that interns at ABI get to do in the lab. It's always fascinating to hear how COVID has affected businesses, especially those bioscience companies working on developing diagnostic tests 
and it's enlightening to learn about the different types of jobs available in the biosciences. Tune in to the next episodes to learn more about what Liz and Jolie are doing in their jobs now. And thanks so much for listening to Science in the Mall, y'all. See you then. This has been a Founding Media Podcast, produced in partnership with Austin Community College's Bioscience Incubator, which is the region's only wet lab space for Austin's growing bioscience industry. Music